0: I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all.
1: Way back and
0: gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore.
1: All right, folks. Welcome to another Touch 'Em All podcast. Derek Wetmore, Phil Mackey here with you. We are not at the MLB winter meetings, but the hot stove is officially lit. Phil Mackey, isn't that what the kids say these days? Lit
0: is. Are you saying like the hot stove is literally lit? Like it's an old school stove that you that you light, or lit in terms of like off the hook with activity lit. I think it's a little bit of both for me actually, because it's clearly
1: there's a flame if if there's a if there's a gaslight if you're looking for the pilot light, you can definitely see some sparks coming out of that thing now. Relievers are flying off the shelves, starting pitchers are trying to find work uh position players are starting to get contracts, and trade talks are starting to get hot and heavy too it's It's a fun time at the MLB Winter
0: Meetings in Orlando right now. It is. It's super fun. Actually, uh, I covered the 2010 Winter Meetings in Orlando at the same resort, the Swan and Dolphin Resort. And uh, I'll never remember, I'll never forget, it was one of the worst 24 or 48 hour periods of my life at the time as a 25 year old, young, aspiring, uh, you know, baseball writer and I just got done covering the meetings. I got super sick on the flight home from the Swan and Dolphin Resort in Orlando where I was just, I had a fever on the plane. You're stuck on a four hour flight with all these people coughing and sick next to you. And then as I got off the plane, I remember uh, my girlfriend of like three or four months decided that she didn't want to date me anymore and she was going to date somebody else. And so I was like, I lost, I lost my voice. I was deathly ill uh, I couldn't do my show for two or three days because I lost my voice, and I was devastated in uh, in having a relationship snapped off. And then the twins like didn't make any moves of significance other than signing Seo Nishioka, so it wound up being a really wow. really like bad three day period. But hey, we bounced back. We're here. It's seven years later, and uh, I'm just getting over all of it right now. <laughs> Prop to say. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it sounds like we
1: haven't quite got over it, but at, <laughs> it might be bad, Phil, but at least memorable. You can say that. Um, uh, yes. This Winter Meetings, I would say, has a similar potential, not in terms of like fiery relationships ending and tsuyoshi, Siyoshi Nishioka, easy for me to say, uh, stumblings, but... The Twins are in the headlines, Phil. You've no doubt seen this on your Twitter lists, but uh, some some big news going down this morning and some bigger news potentially on the horizon with the Twins continuing to intimate that they are interested in pursuing Yu Darvish for real, the top free agent, for my money, left on the market. You could argue J.D. Martinez. Some people might argue Eric Hosmer. I would say Yu Darvish is the best free agent available and... The Twins, at least based on their own remarks, and Manager Paul Molitor saying they're in. Do you think that's the right move for the Twins, uh, at least to be at the poker table as the final conversations are happening?
0: So it's it's such a conditional question because a lot of it just depends on length of contract, how much money. Am am I interested in you, Darvish? As uh, you know, as Derek Falvey or Thad Levine. You'd be stupid not to be interested in one of the better starting pitchers in the American League, or in the case of last year, half of the year in the National League. I think it all comes down to term. I think it comes down to, because he's going to make $20 million or $25 million a year. It just depends on, are you going to go in for four years? Are you going to go in for six years? And that's a big difference when we're talking about a guy who's already 29 years old, uh, coming off Tommy John surgery a couple years ago. I think... One of the the pieces of good news that has come out of the reporting down at the winter meetings is apparently he got rocked in the World Series because the Astros picked something up on him tipping pitches. So I, I, I'd i feel much more comfortable signing him to a multi-year contract at 20 or $25 million a year if I knew that he didn't get rocked because of a lack of stuff, right? I mean, if he's just out there and he doesn't have it, and there's something wrong with him, then that's a big problem. But if if the Astros picked something up in his delivery or in his in his pre-pitch routine that that wound up tipping them off to fastball or breaking ball, then that's pretty fixable. So I, I find it interesting, though, that you know, unlike the previous regime, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, Chris Jimenez, Paul Molitor, I mean, no, everyone seems to be wide open about their pursuit of Yu Darvish. They're yeah. not really playing their cards close to the vest. Paul Molitor flat out told reporters today as we record this on a Wednesday, that the Twins have very serious interest in Darvish. Chris Jimenez talked to Mike Berardino of the Pioneer Press, and uh, and he was the personal catcher for Darvish in Texas at times, and he said he's been putting the full-court press on Darvish. So to answer your question in in a long-winded way, if we're talking 80 or $90 million over a four-year contract, I'm all in from the Twins' standpoint. But... You Darvish probably holds out for five or six years. I don't think he signs for anything less than five or six years at the winter meetings. If it winds up being a four-year contract, my guess is he signs in January or February only after they've exhausted every possible option for a five- or a six-year deal. That's just educated speculation. Well, so you already put a dollar figure on it. I was going to put one on it
1: for you, put your feet to the flames, and as you did to me on the radio the other day, make you say yes or no on the spot, I was going to say four years, $100 million. It sounds like you'd
0: basically be in on that. Uh, I mean, y- yes. I, it's, to me, it, again, it's more about the number of years with starting pitchers sure. than it is about the money. Because where you get into trouble is, and, and Thad Levine said this, hell, Thad Levine's on the record saying this a couple days ago uh, That on Doogie Scoop podcast, that if you sign a U Darvis to a six-year contract, you have to do so knowing almost 100% of the time either injury will take place, thus knocking out a year or two of the contract, or age and attrition will take place and wear and tear, thus knocking off a year or two of the contract. So um, yeah. I, I would rather you know take the Diamondbacks approach with Zach Greinke and just pay him a ton over a shorter period of time and and ride him while he's still in his prime then get stuck in some longer term deal where now you're like Phil Hughes there was no reason to tack an extra 2 years onto his contract and now you're just wishing that you would have stuck with the initial 3 year deal and uh, if mm-hmm. you can do the same thing in free agency with a Hugh Darvish I think that would be smart so yes I would I would do that's a lot of money uh, it's Joe it's more than Joe Mauer makes but I would do 100 billion dollars over 4 years on You Darvish in his prime
1: would you nice I think so. I think that you need somebody that's clearly the top of the rotation. And this is the issue that I took with people saying, maybe we fight about this if you want to, but people saying that they would trade anything for Garrett Cole. And I think two things are wrong with that argument. One, unlike Chris Archer, when we had that conversation, Chris Archer's interesting. Four years, basically $34 million for an ace. Yeah, you give up the moon for that guy. Garrett Cole only has two years left before he can file for free agency. He's a Scott Boris client, so he's going to file for free agency. Now you're talking about two years of a pitcher who's like, eh, good, good pitcher. But Garrett Cole isn't demonstrably better than Jose Barreos. He's not demonstrably better than what Irvin Santana's given you the past two seasons. So that's a difference in you, Darvish. Say whatever you want about his World Series, whether it was tipping pitches or the theory that I actually like a little bit more the Tom Verducci uh, slippery seams theory where pitchers who throw and rely on sliders were having the hardest time. That's definitely Darvish. Uh, I-, I think that despite those struggles, you Darvish is demonstrably a better pitcher over the past handful of seasons than Irvin Santana, than Jose Barrios, and he gives you something that a Garrett Cole would not. So for me, I'm interested, but it always comes with a caveat, Phil. You know I love this one. What do I care? It's not my money. I'm not <laughs> spending any money on it.
0: Right. Okay. If I'm of the three guys you just mentioned, you Darvish, Garrett Cole, Chris Archer, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little rank them for you. I'm not gonna rank the pitchers based on how good I think they are because that might start with Archer and then go Darvish, Garrett Cole. But in terms yeah. of what 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 sort of a package or assets would I give up for each of them and how would I rank that? I would rank trading money for you, Darvish, number one. I would rank trading a boatload of top young talent slash prospects for Chris Archer, number two. And then I would rank trading a boatload of young, talented prospects, young players uh, for Garrett Cole, number three.
1: Yep. I'm right there with you. And then I think you look at the rest of the free agent crop and it's just not as interesting to me. Jake Arrieta is not as good as you, Darvish, in my opinion. And Jake Arietta has draft pick compensation tied to his signing. So does Alex Cobb. So does Lance Lynn, who I'm not that enamored with anyways. It's a pretty tough task to go into the offseason and say, OK, don't spend that much money. Don't lose a bunch of draft picks. And by the way, don't trade the farm and upgrade your pitching. That's just it's an impossible task, and the Twins aren't going to be able to do it. They're going to have to... I don't know. I don't know what their preferred avenue is, but they're going to have to do something. And Phil, I did a Facebook Live video this morning um, on my Facebook page after the Michael Pineda signing, which we can also touch on in a quick second. Um, but one of the things that I said is somebody said, "Well, this is not a productive offseason. and I I agree, but. Put it this way, I'd be shocked if Michael Pineda is the banner signing of their 2017-18 offseason. If the Twins are done, that's a horrible offseason. I would still expect, whether it's through trade or free agency, that they're going to add at least one starting pitcher and two relievers of some kind. Whether that's, like I said, a trade for a guy like whether it's Brad Hand or Raysal Iglesias, one of those guys, Alex Colomay's out there. I think that you have to add at least one reliever, probably two, and then you're going to see them add a starting pitcher too. Michael Pineda is not the end of their off spending and and trading and signing. I think he's just the beginning.
0: Uh, I agree. In fact, let's get more into Michael Pineda and then some of the options that are out there. And then I want to paint the scenario too of of you know what 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 are the expectations in terms of just playing catch up with some of the other teams in the American League. You know where do we draw the line of we would be disappointed if blank or we would be satisfied if yeah. blank in this off season? Uh, real quick though, Luther Brookdale Toyota is helping us over the past several months keep the Touch 'Em All podcast going. Uh, they are a proud sponsor of both the Touch 'Em All podcast and the Mackie and Judd radio show, and Toyotathon is their biggest sales event. So if you're a listener in the Twin Cities and you've got some time, they're open until nine o'clock all day this uh, or, or all week and even uh, the week leading up to Christmas and the holidays. They have great deals on 2018 Camrys and Corollas and RAV4s. In fact, 0% financing on 15 different models. And also you can get into a three year lease on a 2018 Camry for just $189 a month with a reasonable down payment. So I highly recommend stopping in and uh, getting the same experience my family and I have had for 30 years. And also supporting one of the proud sponsors of the Touch 'em All podcast, Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. So, real quick, Michael Pineda. I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time on this. I know people are probably wondering why would you sign a pitcher who just underwent Tommy John surgery in July and is likely to miss the entire 2018 season? Why would you sign him for $10 million? Well, you're paying him. $2 million for 2018, and then $8 million for his comeback season in 2019. And if he can perform anywhere close to the level that he performed at with both the Yankees and the Mariners over the past several years, he'll be worth more than $8 million. So I kind of like the signing. In fact, the Twins, according to uh, Doogie sources, were knocking on the door of Drew Smiley for the same type of deal. The Cubs wound up with Drew Smiley, $10 million over two years, and he's going to sit out next year with uh, Tommy John recovery as well. So it's kind of a it's a value play and an upside play for one of the top young pitchers previously in baseball, a guy who misses a ton of bats in Michael Pineda. It's an upside play for 2019 and I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, it's definitely not going to help this team beat the Indians in the American League Central next year, but I like the thinking.
1: Yeah, I I you know I don't like to Thump my chest, but I, I'm kicking myself today, Phil, because a month ago I was throwing around story ideas. I think I was talking with our buddy Matthew Collar, and and uh, just thought about, you know, as an off-season sort of preview kind of thing, would it make sense for the Twins to go after somebody like Michael Pineda or Trevor Rosenthal, the closer uh, from the Cardinals? Uh, he'll be a free agent and probably not going to pitch this year, but I didn't write the column. And sure enough, which team winds up with him? Michael Pineda. I think one or uh, the, the twins end up with Michael Pineda. I think it's interesting that the difference in perception of front offices, the Cubs signed Drew Smiley and Cubs fans are like, oh, cool. Value play. Maybe won't pitch this year, but nice. Get a little bargain contract. 2019. Here we come. And that's because they just won a World Series and Theo Epstein's running the show. Twins fans, I think, at least the ones I was interacting with on social media this morning, uh, not quite as conditioned to just believe that the front office is going to do smart things. Derek Falvey and Thad Levine pull off basically the exact same thing one day later with a albeit different pitcher. I think Michael is good, not great. Uh, and the reaction is, how is this going to help the 2018 product? How is this a move to upgrade the rotation? And I I don't know how to uh, how to spin it other than to say that like this isn't a move designed to fix the 2018 problems. It's just, if this signing happened in January, we'd feel very differently about it. Because it's the first thing that happened in the Twins offseason, I think there are some people that are a little edgy, that are a little um, itchy for news and trades and free agent signings and stuff to start rolling in. Um, that was my big takeaway was that like, ah, eh, this is a uh, pretty low risk relatively speaking for some potential upside to get a mid rotation starter for next year's staff. But it doesn't really move the needle a whole lot for me in
0: 2018.
1: Cause I don't think that's what it was designed to do anyways.
0: That's a really good point you made about the, the Theo Epstein cred versus the Derek Falvey, Thad Levine cred, which they're still trying to build after only one year and, or the Terry Ryan, Bill Smith cred from before these guys got here. You know, if Bill Belichick makes a move in the NFL, if he picks up, you know, Chad Cinco off waivers or signs him after he's cut by the Bengals, it's genius. Oh, there's a Bill Belichick genius move, even though it didn't work out and Chad Cinco This is five years ago. Uh, you know, couldn't even figure out the plays or run the routes, but he's Bill Belichick. So anything he does is genius. Whereas if the Browns do something that could be shrewd, uh, the Browns traded... You know they traded eighteen million dollars or ten million dollars and picked up you know Brock Osweiler's contract and and got a second round pick out of it. Well, that's just all the Browns Brock Osweiler bunch of idiots. You know that's kind of the twins where that's the same move. Drew Smiley to the Cubs for ten million dollars two years. Tommy John surgery is the same thing as Michael Pineda twins ten million dollars two years, but. Twins fans, the first ten responses I saw after that signing were, "Oh, what is this? Why would you see? Why would you sign a guy?" Classic cheap poll ads, scrap heap. Yeah, and I'm sure Cubs fans and anyone who followed Theo Epstein's career are thinking, "Wow, that's a that's a savvy move, a very shrewd yeah. move by the Cubs playing the upside right. of 2019."
1: I always refer to it as the San Antonio Spurs effect, because the same exact thing happens in the NBA. Uh, The example I thought you were going to go with with the Browns was hiring Paul Podesta away from the Mets. Uh, If the Patriots do that, it's, wow, they're focusing on big data and being analytical and forward-thinking, and the Browns do it, and you're thinking... How are they going to screw this up by drafting another crappy quarterback?
0: Yes, exactly. A uh, couple quick things here, and then we're we're also going to do a recap, a winter meetings recap episode later on this week or uh, sometime this weekend too. And we're fingers crossed. Hopefully, the Twins make a move by the time you're already listening to this, or maybe before they fly out of Orlando. Uh, that would be uh, it. Would be fun to to really brush the the flames a little bit more here. But um, I, my question is what do the twins need to do now that you've seen some of the names come off the board there's a ton of relievers flying off the board what do they need to do in order for you to say they had a successful off season from this point forward
1: yeah I think that it's trade for a reliever I think it's like top end reliever type guy I'm talking Brad Hand trade for somebody like that sign another guy in this Tier of the Anthony Swarzak's of the world, the Pat Nesheks. Now, those guys are off the board, so, of course, they don't count. But there are a few others that I could name down that list. Um, just from the top of my head, guys who hadn't signed as of the recording of this podcast. It's guys like Joe Smith, who's who's not as sexy of a name. Um, guys like uh, Juan Nicasio is on that list for me. Good pitcher who... Eh, not exactly going to get the $15 million a year because you don't count on him to be a lockdown closer, but could be a good back end of the bullpen piece, somebody to pair with Trevor Hildenberger. So I think you're adding two of those guys. Now you've got a late-inning trio. And then I also think, whether through free agency or trade, you're going to get a starter sometime this winter. And it's got to be somebody who's at least of the caliber of Urban Santana and Jose Breos preferably it's somebody who's very clearly better than them. So I know that's a, it's a nebulous blueprint, but the long and short of it is one starter who's very good and two relievers who are also very good. Uh, easier said than done because there are a lot of teams trying to do that. But if you're the Twins, I think this is the winner to roll up your sleeves, get aggressive, and supplement that young core with
0: finally, finally some better pitching to surround it. I agree. I think you need, you need at least two pitchers... You need to add at least two pitchers from outside the organization to make this a successful offseason. And one of them has to be a playoff rotation starter. So whether it's Garrett Cole or Chris Archer, I think Alex Cobb is a playoff rotation caliber starter. Uh, If you sign you Darvish, he'd be your number one starter. And then somebody in the bullpen who can miss bats. I see uh, just to, to keep pumping Doogie's tires, he just tweeted out, that the Twins haven't extended an offer yet to Fernando Rodney, but they had a great meeting with him, and Fernando Rodney really liked Thad Levine and Paul Molitor, and he's plenty open to a sixth, seventh, or eighth inning role with the Twins. Now he's about 40 years old and had a really shaky first half of last season, and he walks the plank better than anybody. If you thought Eddie Gordado walked the plank when he was a you know the closer <laughs> for the Twins, yeah. Fernando Rodney will make you sweat. Uh, but you know, if, 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 you added him and then another reliever, the thing is, I'm seeing some of the prices on these relievers. I know we it. we knew they were going to be expensive, but Pat Neshek getting, what was it? $8 million a year on a two year deal. Anthony Swarzak yeah. just signed for two years, $14 million. Brian Shaw, t- who we thought the twins would for sure be in on because of the Cleveland connection and Derek Falvey. He goes to the Rockies for like nine million dollars a year on a three-year contract. It's just, it's, yeah. it's not that shocking, but it's still pretty incredible how much money a seventh or eighth inning guy is getting in free agency. Derek.
1: Yep, Tommy Hunter's on that list too of guys who have flown off the shelf. I was putting together a column, Phil, for guys who, let's say, you miss out on that first tier of relievers, and you're not willing to meet the raise price for Alex Colome. All right. What's next? Who, who are your next guys? I had a list of five guys who would be my next choices, and they're all getting eight million dollars a year. I haven't published the column yet because people keep flying off the shelf as I'm about to hit submit. Um, but Pat Nieshek was on that list. Tommy Hunter, Anthony Swarzak. These guys are making a lot of money, and teams aren't necessarily even going to trust them to the ninth inning. These are these are eighth-ninth hybrid kind of guys who had a good year, but not an extensive track record that you're counting on to be your Kenley Jansen, your Auralis Chapman. Uh, it's it's expensive, and I think that's it's just underscoring that this is the price of poker. Um, Fernando Rodney, if I'm not mistaken, this is just off the top of my head, but I think he's like 43 years old, and he might be 43 going on 63. I'm not really that interested in that if I'm the Twins, if that's the only reliever move you make this winter it would be celebrated because i think he had like 39 saves last year or something if i'm not mistaken some people would be excited about it and there's the theatrics that comes with his game but man that would be a really underwhelming off season if all they did was even if they got a starter get a starting pitcher and fernando rodney is the only addition you make to the bullpen boy i still think that team's a long way from catching the cleveland indians yeah. in the american league central no,
0: they would definitely have the best post-save celebration in the American League Center though. <laughs> or he or he shoots the, the bow and arrow at the Minium Paul sign at Target Field. I think that's worth at least a couple million dollars.
1: You know what? I prefer—this is just me. This might be a, uh, a peek into my personality as a baseball fan. I prefer Trevor Hildenberger's save celebration, which is a subtle pump of the fist and a handshake for the catcher, but that's just me. <laughs>